You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. I want to begin by talking about one of my favorite TV shows from the 80s. And I'm going to tell you what the show is. I'm going to describe it, and you tell me what the show was. We talked about the show this morning in my Bible study time. Now let me just give you a brief description of the show. It was a show about a special government agent who would find themselves in impossible situations. He'd be surrounded by bad guys. If you gave him a bubblegum wrapper, a paper clip, and a car battery, he could get out of anything. What's the name of the show? MacGyver. 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 I used to love watching that show growing up. And and really, the reason we all remember it is because we would see MacGyver come up with a plan in the midst of an impossible situation. Well, this morning, we're going to remind ourselves that in the midst of the impossible situation that sin has brought into our lives. God has a plan to rescue. Now I want to show you that from the book of Ephesians. So turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 1. We are continuing our study line by line, verse by verse, this wonderful letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians in the first century city of Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1, We're going to begin reading in verse 3 just to establish the context, but we're going to focus specifically on verses 9 and 10. So if you found your place, if you're physically able, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word, which I will remind you is truth with no mixture of error. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. Now look in verse 8. Which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight... Making known, verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, 
things in heaven and things on earth. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we are so grateful for another opportunity to gather, to focus upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and to have this moment where we can open our Bibles and open our hearts with expectancy that you will use your word in our lives, that you will take your word and apply it to our hearts by the power and presence of your Spirit, so that we might be changed, so that we might leave this place different than when we walked in. We love you. We, we praise you. We adore you. And we lift this prayer up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, it's been a while since we've been together in the book of Ephesians. And so I want to just remind you as to the theme of this book. The theme is, we experience God's grace in Christ, which saves us, unites us with other believers, and strengthens our Christian walk. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. And starting in verse... Three of chapter 1, we see this long run-on sentence of 202 words in the original language. And this long sentence, verses 3 through 14, is meant to convey all the blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. In fact, it begins by speaking of every spiritual blessing that is ours in Christ. And so after verse 3, the remainder of this sentence really outlines those blessings or, or mentions those blessings. We've talked about the blessing of election. He chose us. We talked about the blessing of adoption. He made us his sons and daughters. We talked about the blessings of forgiveness, redemption in Christ. And this morning I want to focus on the blessing of God making known to us his plan. Remember, in the midst of the impossible, God has a plan. And one of the blessings of being a Christian is we get to grasp and celebrate this plan. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give you four thoughts about God's redemptive plan. Four thoughts about God's redemptive plan that we see here in the text. And by the way, verses 8 and 9 are just full of information. So we're just going to try to just unpack these verses and, 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 and ask the Spirit to, to help us to understand them better. Number one, the first thought about God's redemptive plan is this. God is the author of the plan. God is the author of the plan. Now look what it says there in verse 8. It's, it mentions the Riches of His grace, verse 7, which, whereby we experience forgiveness of our sins and, and, and our trespasses. And it says, This grace was lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. Now look at this next phrase. According to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. Now that word purpose is an interesting word in the original Greek language. It's the word eudokion. And it means 
kind intention or good pleasure. So you could read verse 9 like this. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention. According to his good pleasure. This word speaks of the state or intention of being kindly disposed. So, so this word speaks of the nature and character of God that caused him to act, that caused him to set a plan in motion. Now notice there the word set forth. It says this is according to his purpose, his kind intention, which he set forth in Christ. This word means to determine. It means to purpose. It means to decree. So this word means that God made a decree that a plan be put into place, and this decree was driven by his good intention, driven by his good pleasure. Or let me say it like this, and this is in your notes. Because of his kindness, God developed a plan to save sinners. Because of his kindness, God developed a plan to save sinners. And here's the plan. We've all sinned against a perfect, holy God. And that sin separates us from God. But God, in His great love, sent His only Son to this earth over 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus came to this earth, He took on human flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was born of Mary, fully God, fully man. And Jesus lived a perfect, matchless life. He never sinned. All he did was good. All he said was good. All he thought was good. He went about doing all things well. And then, in obedience to the Father, and because of his love for you and for me, Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for us. The Bible teaches that on the cross, Jesus became sin for us. He took all of your sin and guilt and shame upon himself. And on the cross, Jesus died for our sins. He took the punishment that we deserve. We're the ones that have sinned against God. We're the ones that deserve wrath and punishment. Jesus took God's wrath and punishment in our place. He died for us. He shed his blood. He died on the cross for sinners like the ones here in this room. And after he died on the cross, he was placed in the borrowed tomb of a rich man. And early on the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. We've declared it in song. He defeated death itself. He walked out of the tomb. He rose from the grave. And so Jesus came to this earth to defeat our two greatest enemies, sin and death. And because Jesus Christ has defeated sin and death, he will save anyone who comes to him and places their faith and trust in him, turning from their sins and inviting him into their life as their personal Lord and Savior. And that's what God is doing right now through the church 
through the proclamation of the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that good news is going forth to the very ends of the earth and people are getting saved. And one day, Jesus Christ, who ascended back to the Father after his death and burial and resurrection, will come back and complete the process of making everything new and set everything right. Jesus Christ will reign supreme. That's the plan of God. That's the plan that Ephesians 1 is talking about. The plan that, that God put into motion. An impossible situation. We've sinned against a holy God. We're separated from that God. We are in our sins and cannot save ourselves. Aren't you glad God has a plan? He's the, the author of the plan. And because of his kindness, this plan has been put into motion. You see, this plan of salvation is really God's kindness unleashed. It's because he desires to save. That he's made a way, listen, to be saved. And so God is the author of the plan. Number two, God is the administrator of the plan. Look what it says back in verse 10. It says this is a plan for the fullness of time. A plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Now this word plan is a noun, and it's the translation of a word that means house steward. Someone that oversees the affairs of a householder, or someone that manages things. The word plan here in its noun form speaks of, of, of an administrator. So not only is God the author of the plan, because of his kindness, he, he has a plan to save... But God is overseeing, God is supervising, God is administering the plan to make sure it occurs just the way he wants it to occur. It means that God, listen, God is at work overseeing this plan to make sure that it all comes to his desired conclusion. It means that God himself is providing the oversight of this plan so this plan cannot fail. Because let me remind you that God knows everything. And let me remind you that God is all-powerful. So one who is omniscient and one who is omnipotent, who desires that a plan come to fruition, will make sure that it happens. And it's interesting here that he uses the phrase, a plan for the fullness of time. This speaks of God's perfect, appropriate timing. Over in Galatians 4, this phrase is used to designate the time when God sent his son Jesus to earth. The perfect time God, God sent his son in the fullness of time. Here in Ephesians 1, it represents all of the major aspects of his plan coming to fruition. So here's what that means. God made sure and is making sure that exactly what he wants to happen happens at exactly the time he wants it to happen. <laughs> Did you get that? God's, God's overseeing the plan. God's managing the plan. God's plan to save, listen, is his power and his providence on full display. Not only is God kind in conceiving this plan of salvation, 
He is perfect wisdom and immeasurable power, so he can bring it to pass. You see, it's one thing to desire to save, but not have the power to save. It's another thing to have the power to save, but not have the desire to save. Aren't you you glad that our God wants to save, and aren't you glad that he's all-powerful and he can save? He's not a weak God. He's a strong God, an all-knowing God, an all-powerful God who can flat save your soul. And so we see here that God is the author and God is the administrator. But number three, very quickly, God is moving everything, everything, everything towards the apex of the plan, the pinnacle of the plan. You say, wait, where's everything headed? Well, look what it says there in verse 10. This plan is for the fullness of time. He's administrating, overseeing it in his perfect timing, in his perfect way, according to his Uh, or or to unite all things, verse 10, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. What is God doing? What, What is this plan ultimately all about? It says here that God is overseeing it to make sure everything is united in Christ. Now, now what does that mean? The the Greek word translated unite is an is an interesting word. It means something like summary. In, in, in the first century, if a Greek person was, was tabulating figures, they would have all the figures on a sheet, and they would, they would add them all up, and they would put the answer, the correct answer, the correct summary at the top. At the top. Not the bottom like we do, but at, at the top. And, and here's what this word means in this context. God is working to bring everything to his desired conclusion. And when it's all said and done, the one who will be on top of everything, the one who will reign over all, is Jesus. So if you want to summarize the plan of God, summarize it like this. It's all about Jesus. That's what this plan is ultimately about. And then look what he says about the reign of Christ. He says, the plan is to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. That means the spiritual realm and the physical realm will all point to Christ the Redeemer. This speaks of, an, uh, of the establishment of an all-encompassing kingdom that is ruled by our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. And, and here's what I want you to take away with you this morning. God's plan to save is ultimately about the glory of Christ. Now, we get in on the plan in that we get saved, we get forgiven, we experience redemption. Praise the Lord for that. But ultimately, when the dust settles on human history, the one who gets all of the glory is King Jesus. Paul says it like this over in Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, because of the finished work of Christ, the fact that he came to earth and emptied himself and took on human flesh and in obedience to the Father went to die on a cross. Because of that, Paul writes, there's coming a time when every 
knee will bow before King Jesus. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day is coming. Everyone on the face of this earth that is named the name of Christ, oh, they will gladly bow their knees before King Jesus and cry out that He is Lord. And everyone that's ever rejected Christ during their time upon this earth, one day they too will bow their knee and submit to the Lordship of Christ. And their lips will call Him Lord. Even though they didn't receive Him, even though they will spend eternity separated from Him, they will recognize He is Lord. They will recognize He is King. That day is coming. God's plan to save is ultimately about the glory of Christ. When it's all said and done, the summary of it all, the one who will be on top, the one who will reign, His name is Jesus. You know, there are so many benefits from being a Christian. So many blessings. We've been talking about the spiritual blessings here in Ephesians 1. Blessing after blessing after blessing. If we're not careful, we can begin to think that, that the plan of God is ultimately about us, right? Look how great I am. No. God has graciously saved sinners who don't deserve it. And because of that, our response will be, look how great He is. Look at how wonderful Christ is. When it's all said and done, it will all be about the glory of Christ, which leads us to number four. We've talked about the author and the administrator and the apex of the plan, but fourth and last, God grants us... He's make, So right at the beginning of this section, there's this statement about God revealing to us his plan of salvation. That word made known means to unveil or, or to, to reveal. And his plan is described in a very interesting way. Look what it says there in verse 9. Making known to us the mystery of his will. Now in modern usage, the word mystery means something that is hidden. Something that is unknown. But in the first century, in, in early Jewish and Christian literature, this word refers to the hidden divine plan of God that is now revealed by God. The phrase mystery in the New Testament speaks of God's plan of redemption, His plan to deal with our sin uh, problem. And, and this plan was not as clearly revealed in the generations before Christ. The first century it became very clearly revealed, but before that it was not as clearly revealed. There were glimpses, there were hints. Read the Old Testament. The Old Testament is constantly pointing to Jesus. There are prophecies and there are types and shadows and foreshadowings and, and pointers towards Christ. But it's not all exactly clear. It's almost like the Old Testament is full of movie previews, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like if you get to a movie after the previews, you've missed the movie. Claire's fine walking in 15 minutes after the movie has started. She's fine with that. But I, I think to really see a movie, you get there with your popcorn before the previews. You got to get a witness on that? 
It's part of the movie. You're paying a lot of money. Go watch the previews. And, and, and you watch these previews, and they give you some inklings of what's coming. And you see parts, and it's exciting. You say, I can't wait to, to, wait to watch the whole thing. See how it all comes together. The Old Testament, we had these previews of, of what God was going to do, whom God was going to send to, to save lost and fallen humanity. The New Testament is, is the clearly revealed picture of what God did in sending His Son, Jesus, and how Jesus lived and how He died and how He rose from the grave. In other words, in the New Testament, God makes His mystery known. He reveals it. Now, how does God make His mystery known? Well, we don't have to wonder. Turn over very quickly to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 4. Paul writes, when you read this, you, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, I, I understand the plan of God, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed, watch this, to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And he goes on to say the mystery is Jews and Gentiles coming together as one, being saved by God. God's great plan of redemption for everyone who will name the name of Christ. And, and here's the point. Here's what Paul wants us to understand. The way this mystery is unveiled is through apostles and prophets. The apostles were those who were there with Jesus during his ministry. They were witnesses to his death and his burial and resurrection. And then they go and tell people about Jesus. Prophets are called by God to tell people about what Christ has done. And this body of truth that comes from the apostles and prophets began to be written down in the first century and put into organized books and put together in what we now call the New Testament. So the New Testament, listen, is the apostolic prophetic teaching from the first century which has been put together and preserved by God so that God's plan is no mystery to us. The mystery has been revealed. The mystery has been made known. We've seen the movie, not just the previews, amen? That's the point. So God in His grace has made known to us this plan. God's plan to save has been graciously revealed. And, and, and here's the takeaway for you and me. God's plan of salvation, now that we know it, should be celebrated and shared. This plan should be celebrated and shared. It, it, it was a mystery, but it's been unveiled for you and for me. And so we should say, yes, thank you for your plan to save. I don't deserve it, but I'm grateful for it. And we should say, oh, how others need to hear of this saving God. In fact, over in Ephesians 6, 19, listen to what Paul writes. He asks for prayer that words, listen, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul's saying, now that it's no longer a secret, it's, it, it's been revealed clearly, pray that I'll have the courage I need to tell people about Christ. So you might say this, the plan of God is now an open secret. 
it's been revealed, and we can now celebrate it, and we can now share it with others. But here's how I want to close. Remember this blessing of God making known His plan? is in a list of blessings for those who are in Christ. You say, well, Pastor Wade, God made the plan known to everybody. So how is this blessing for us, knowing God's plan, in a way that it is not for those who are unbelievers? In other words, is there a special way of knowing the plan that unbelievers can't experience? Let me answer it like this. It's one thing to know a plan. It's another thing to know the author of the plan. See the difference there? It's one thing to be able to articulate the doctrines of Christianity. It's another thing to say, tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart, every word, tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. You can know the facts about Christianity. You can know some historical things about Jesus and about God's word. But until you are saved, you don't really know the plan. You've not experienced it the way that someone who has been redeemed has experienced it. Because not only do we know about the plan, not only do we know the doctrinal truths and, and historical evidence, but we know the author, we know the administrator. We've bowed our knee before the apex of it all, Jesus Christ, and this plan means so much. It means so much. I'll even go on to say this. If you're not excited about the saving plan of God for your life, I wonder if you know the author. The mystery has been revealed. This plan is for us. Praise be to God. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.